it's a new week, and that means time for another WGT closest to the whole challenge. But first, last week's winner, unfortunately, with all of the holiday stuff going on, we kind of lost track of a couple things, and we just want to make sure we get everything in, make sure we didn't miss anything. So if you did submit last week, we would really appreciate it if you go ahead and submit again. Just send it into info at thednvr.com so we can get you hooked up with your winning prize. For this week, if most of you probably already know the drill, but if you don't, you go to freewgt.com to download the game. You have to go through freewgt.com to be able to participate. Once you've downloaded the game, you're going to go to the closest to the whole challenge, and this week's course is going to be Edgewood Tahoe, and we're going all the way to hole number eight, the eighth hole of the challenge to compete on this one. So you have to play basically the full nine holes. So it's going to take a little bit longer than previous weeks. Once you get to that eighth hole, go ahead and knock it as close to the hole as you can. It's going to be a tough one this week. It's a pretty long shot and it's pretty windy. I got mine to about 15 feet on my attempt. So you know what, uh, 0.2 feet away from the hole or what it's been for a lot of weeks might not quite be as tough this time. You might not have to get it that close. So just to recap, freewgt.com, download the game, go to the closest to the hole challenge, Edgewood Tahoe, hole number eight of the challenge. Get in there, knock it as close as you can, and you can win a free DNVR shirt or gift card. And if you enter every single week, each time you will be entered with entered with another raffle ticket towards the grand prize drawing, which is Avs tickets, or if you're out of state, a jersey of your choosing. Got to get in on this while you still can. The grand prize drawing is just an awesome prize all the way around, and it's free. Your chance to win it absolutely free. Get in on it while you still can. All right, let's jump into the show. And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole, a left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rantanen. He shoots and scores. Nathan McKinnon. Cole J.T. Comfer. 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog. Collective hugs. 29 and 92. Save me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon. My goodness gracious. Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution. You can visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or check out online at mygreensolution.com and get it ready for pickup at any local store. And you can use code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. I'm Nathan Rudolph. He's AJ Hayfley. We are here on a Monday. Going to start off by recapping the Avs game over Chicago over the weekend. They did even better than the first half of the back-to-back. They came home, they got Miko Rantanen back, and they just straight up went off against the Chicago team. Let's start with the obvious, AJ. Miko comes back and puts up four points like he's been playing all year. That's got to be a positive sign. That's, I believe that's 16 points in 10 games for him, correct? It is, yes. And really, that's 16 points in like nine and a half. Right, because he got injured in the one. Yeah, so pretty, uh, pretty, pretty good there. 
it's not too shabby. Yeah. If you calculate it out, if he stays on this pace, which he probably won't, but if he does, he would still reach 100 points, even with all the games that he missed. <sighs> yeah. Let's see that happen. That would be something. <laughs> um, Really, though, what is there to say about Miko? He's incredible. And it was easy over the last couple of weeks to forget just how special he can be when he's playing well. And boy, did he remind Connor Murphy in an embarrassing way. <laughs> like the, the first couple of goal, the first couple of points that he picked up were whatever, you know, like it's a nice play down I, low. I, I don't know about that. Like, Hang on. The first one, the first one was an assist down low where DeHaan went to cover him and abandoned the middle and Murphy was slow to rotate back to the middle it's a, that's a pretty straightforward pass. It's a nice pass. It's a nice play. It's a nice finish by Kadri. The second one, you know, he's behind the net. He passes it to McKinnon. McKinnon passes out high. They end up scoring, and it's like, okay, like, great. But what he did to Connor Murphy was nasty. I mean, I'm not disagreeing with you. I, I loved him wrecking Connor Murphy, but that first assist, no, it wasn't the hardest play or the hardest pass in the world but it was exactly what the abs were missing some of without him because 100%. they had the players like Matt Calvert. They have players like Jonas Donskoy who are willing to go in and do the hard work behind the net, but the talent just wasn't quite there to make that next step and get it out to the center for the finish. So it might not be the prettiest play, but it's exactly where the abs have room to grow still. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're you're. It's hundred percent true that they didn't have that pass with Miko out. It's just that in terms of all the things that make Miko a special player, that's kind of on like the lower end. Like that's basic stuff. You expect Miko to make that pass. What he did to Murphy, that's <laughs> that's the stuff where I mean, the guy's like that's an NHL defenseman getting turned into a human pretzel. And then discarded. Just, nope. It's over. Miko's plaything, basically. Yeah, honestly. Like, we have Zadorov's menagerie full of pets. Like, I guess Miko's got, like, the Muppet Baby collection now that he has started with, with Connor Murphy. Because, dude, that was, that was that's an NHL player. Like, and Connor Murphy sucks. But that's, that's still an NHL defenseman that he just pretzeled. It's nasty. And hilarious. Yeah. You gotta love it. He puts up four points, doesn't even play the third period. Is there something to this Finnish connection here? Because Donskoy, two <laughs> goals and two assists as well, four points there, playing alongside Ranton and then McKinnon. Uh, I'm. I mean, I'm just assuming it's a Scandinavian thing. Yeah, fair. I. You know, why specify the country? Let's get Let's get Burkowski in on this too, and see if he. Uh, he could throw a, a touch of the Austrian in there, even though even though I know he's Swedish. Oh, my God. Do not attack me. I, I'm aware. Well, the, I, you can have the Finn line and the Sweden line once Landy gets back then, though. Yeah, that'd be a good time. So a lot of options, a lot of options when the abs are healthy in the top six. If That's, the abs are ever healthy. Well, you're right. We can get into that conversation in a little bit here. This game so the result was basically the same as the first 
game against Chicago where the Avs ended up 3-1 after the first and then just totally took over the game in the second period and the third was irrelevant, essentially. But the way they went about it was a bit different. In the first game, they got a lot of scoring from defensemen. Graves had a goal. McCarr had a goal. Nachushkin as a depth forward have a goal, had a goal. This time, they just said, our top players are going to go destroy you. And that's exactly what they did. Yep. And this was not a showing of depth. This was right. this was best on best and ass kicking. Straight up cleanly. And that was nice to see because what call, what Chicago does have is top end offensive talent. And the Avs just straight up blew them out of the water offensively. So if you can keep up with guys like Kane, DeBrincat, even Taze, I probably not going to have a season like you did last year. But if you're beating them offensively, even with their weak defense, that's something to hang your hat on a little bit. I mean, they had they had two it took two five on threes for them to manufacture Kane's point streak continuing. Right. And, yeah. it was, and the second five on three, the only reason that it happened is because referees don't like to call penalties on teams getting blown out. Uh, so. They did not call blatant interference and trips on Belmar on the PK. And so, you know, when they had uh, they had to call the delay game on Belmar for the second one because the puck went over the glass and the world's stupidest rule continues to be enacted. So, you know, but it was still I mean, it was still stupid. It was still stupid to watch that Colorado's high end guys were just on a different level the other day. And I mean, not to not, not even getting lost in, in all of that. I mean, Nazem Kadri, man, as advertised. Um, let's talk about that a little bit. Obviously Burakovsky is injured currently, but with Kadri scoring two goals last night and Jonas Donskoy scoring two goals last night, the Avs now have four 10 goal scorers. Makar sits at eight. Rantanen sits at six and 10 games. Mm-hmm. They have a bunch of dudes that can put the puck in the net all of a sudden. Yeah. It's a good way to put it. A bunch of dudes that can put the puck in the net. That was what they wanted though. You know, they went out and they got Burkowski because he was a scorer. He, because he could shoot. They went out and they got Kadri because he's a proven guy and he's a, he's a 30 goal guy. Boom. Done. Donskoy. They, I don't think anybody expected this from Donskoy. Like, a nice player, a solid player, put next to McKinnon, and now all of a sudden he's a 70-point guy? Like, come on. This is crazy. What regressions do you see? We've talked so much about the Avs getting healthy and how that's going to help them, and I do believe it will. But starting with someone like Don Skoy, he's almost certainly going to get moved down the lineup in some way or another if the Avs are fully healthy. What's a realistic expectation there? He's not going to continue shooting 22%, obviously. Can he still produce at a rate to have a 50-point season, a 40-point season? Uh, I If he – okay, so 22 points through 26 games, he has to have a 40-point season. He's got 55 games to score 18 points. That's a very fair expectation from him, uh, especially because being this prolific early on – when they get healthy, it's not like they're just going to cast him by the wayside and forget about him. You know, he's going to move down. He'll move down to a second power play unit, uh, which badly needs help right now because right now it's not possible for that unit to score as currently constructed. Um, with, you know, Donskoy, I do expect that will slow down. But 
a 40, I, I still think a 45 point season at this point, given the hot start, a 45 point season is perfectly reasonable. Burkowski, the same thing. As long as he doesn't miss too much longer, you know that, you know, when, when these guys aren't playing next to McKinnon every single night, you know that there are going to be some numbers that go down. But Kadri is no slouch. The guy's really good. You know, he's he's on pace for another another 30-goal season, but he's also got 10 assists. It's not like it's total scrub, you know, in, in that regard either. So this is... This is the the vision that they had of, oh, well, now our top six is good. That's yeah, what it, their entire summer was about. It's We talked about the 10 goals. The Evs also have six players on pace for 60-plus point seasons. You mentioned Donskoy, Kadri, McKinnon, Makar, Burakovsky, and then would-be Landeskog, assuming he's healthy in a, a reasonable amount of time. So that's... This is the depth scoring that if everything went white right based off their offseason acquisitions that you could have expected. And so far, it absolutely has. Yeah, and I, I expect both Bur- Burakovsky and Donskoy to slow down some just because that's natural. We see guys slow down every year. Um, the injuries put them in roles where, you know, they got to get a little fat off playing next to some guys. But so what? <laughs> like, you know? Uh, you, you know, take it. Nathan McKinnon's not is certainly helped by playing next to Miko Rantanen now that he's back. So you know that's that's going to be great. You expect, um, I you know the the shooting. You still look at some of the shooting percentages. You know Burkowski and and Donskoy still over twenty percent. So those will come down. You know, I like they're they're all these guys are they've got Kadri, Burakovsky, Donskoy, McKinnon all on and Rantanen all on thirty goal paces. I don't think that'll continue. I mean, we can dream. <laughs> I mean, if you have five guys and and Makar, honestly, if you have five or six guys that score thirty goals for you, uh, you better be winning your division by a long, long, long margin. The real story there is: can Nathan McKinnon stay on fifty goal pace? Uh, I don't really think McKinnon's really out of whack here. I, I, the, the thing that you expect is that the shots will go down, just because there's too much other talent around. Yeah, right. Like you're gonna, he's gonna go back to deferring to Rantanen. And when we saw earlier in the year, you know, Rantanen was out, uh, was was playing with him through those games. McKinnon's season high in shots, it was seven, six, and five. Otherwise, he had a bunch of games with. Three uh, three shots on goal. And Rantanen goes out, and all of a sudden he's putting up 12 a game. Right. Rantanen goes out, and immediately after, it's 4, 4, 6, 12, 4, 8, 10. So you're talking, the guy goes out, and he now, he, now he's lost his, like, prime running mate, right? And then you get into, you get into November, He's lost both Landeskog, he's lost both Rantanen, and it's 12-4-8-10-4-6. Like, none, all of them higher than what he was averaging, what he was putting up on average with all, the, with all those guys next to him. So his shot generation will go down, but those shots will get parsed to his teammates. They will go to Rantanen, they will go to Landeskog, 
or Donskoy or Burakovsky, whoever they decide to end up putting on that left wing uh, when Landeskog does come back. And the other, the other thing is you expect that the minutes will probably go down some. You would hope so. I mean, you just don't want to run them dry. Right. So you're talking, you know, the, you know, he's, he's tw- plays 25 minutes and scores four points, you know? Um, all right. Well, probably, probably won't do too many 25 minute nights, but at the same time, probably won't have very many 18 minute nights like he had against Chicago uh, um, on Friday. Yeah. So somewhere in between. So you expect the efficiency, the efficiency will probably go down a little bit. The shot rate uh, will probably go. The individual shot rate will probably go down a little bit, but teammates will continue to do it because this is the thing with McKinnon. You know, he's only had four. He's played four games this year in which he hasn't scored a point. It hasn't mattered who his teammates have been. He's just going out there and dominating no matter what. Now you give him better teammates. He's just probably going to dominate even more. Yeah, they'll dominate as a unit. Right, and I think they'll dominate in shot metrics more than they have been, where McKinnon's been more or less breaking even with the guys he's playing with. You put him back with Landy and Miko, and we expect them to get back to the 55-60% range yeah. of in terms of shot share while those guys are out there on the right. Just the second chance opportunities and things like that. Yeah. And puck retrieval and, and creating more offensively off the rush, things like that. There, there will be a lot more of what we have seen the last couple of years. Like, it's not like this is all new. Yeah. Well, McKinnon has only not scored in four games. Rantanen's only played 10, but he's scored in nine of those 10 so far. So, those are some enjoyable stats. I can definitely drink to that. So it's time to acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. They, of course, I always talk about their wide selection of beers all over the place that most of them I really, really enjoy. You can't go wrong, but AJ's favorite, the Strawberry Sky, is what's on the docket today because that's what my local liquor store had. So that's what you guys are going to hear about. And this is one of their fruitier beers, The one of the ones that really does taste great honestly it's a little bit dangerous for me i'm not gonna lie because i don't even think i'm drinking beer when i'm sipping on it that's how good it tastes so i could just like drink a whole six or 12 pack of these without even thinking about it highly recommend it if you're just looking to try something that's easy to drink give strawberry sky a try you can find it at your local liquor store as well and also be sure to check out the breckenridge event calendar over on the dnvr.com I'm not actually sure what the next event on there is going to be. I'm sure we have something planned and something coming soon for the abs as well. So we'll let you know when we know on that. Come out, drink some Breck Brews, and have a good time with us. We will be back in the second period in a minute. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution. I'm Rudo. He's AJ. Let's talk a little bit about some prospects here, as most teams just released their World Junior, at least camp rosters, not their final rosters. There will still be some cuts made, but we know for sure four abs have made their teams initially, and there's a fifth, possibly even a sixth one that may make it in the long run. Let's start with the ones we're most confident about, though. Bowen Byram, we already expected him to make the WJC team for Canada. He's going to go there. 
this is going to be a big, big tournament for him this year. His play in the WHL has been fine. He's working on a lot of the defensive side of his game, things like that. So the points haven't quite been there, but you got to think this has been a tournament circled on his calendar since draft day. It definitely has been. And it's definitely a big part of the conversation about why the Avs wanted to send him back to the WHL because they want to see their guys in the WJCs. This is a great experience for them. Uh, It's, it's high caliber hockey against their peer group. It's the, it's the best highest quality international competition that exists for these kids, for your prospects. And the abs, the abs saw what happened when McCarr and Timmons went, they both tore it up, had great tournaments and were named two of the top three players. And that was, that was that like that, that was killer for them. And so the app said, okay, well, Bo and Byram, you know, we're not, we're not quite sure that he's really ready for us just yet. Uh, we'll send him back. And one of the big things that they were excited about was sending him back so that he could play uh, for team Canada at the WJCs. And that's, that's a decent defense. You know, there are some, there are some good players uh, on that defense with guys like Bernard Docker and Caitlin Addison, Ty Smith, Um Thomas Harley certainly be will be in that mix as well. Uh, but really, you do expect Byram. He needs to be one of the top guys. He needs to show that he's one of the top guys. Right. You would When you have a fourth overall draft pick, someone like that, going to a tournament like this, especially one that's coming out of the WHL that's been in the eye of Team Canada for a while now, you expect this to be a very different situation than what happened with Makar at the WJCs. Makar was in a very specific, quite limited role in big games. Byram is going to play a million minutes for this team. He should. That's the hope. You want him to be in all situations guy. You want to see the defensive details he's been working on in the WHL. You want to see more than him just carry the puck up the ice and look dynamic. We know we can do that. We know we can do that in the NHL today. I want to see more. There's more, there's more there. I want to see what he's been working on. I want to see what he's, what he's developed in the couple of months uh, since we last saw him. Yeah, exactly. The other member of team Canada that has made this camp is Alex Newhook. This one is a bit more interesting from the team Canada side. Newhook in his role at BC has absolutely come on like gangbusters after the first couple of weeks of the season. So in that regard, he's earned his opportunity, but Through his draft year, he was often overlooked by Team Canada and not even really considered for things like the Holinka, for things like the WJCs at that time. So he's someone that I'm curious to see if he can make it through these rounds of cuts and actually make the team. Yeah, and with 17 forwards at the selection camp, um, you know, with the with I'm sure that there are possibilities. There's a couple of guys that they would love to pull from pro teams as well. Um, right. If they get clearance. Yeah. yeah. This it's, I think this is going to be an uphill battle for him to make this team, but it's definitely, it definitely says what you want it to say about him as a prospect that he's, he got this invite that he was one of the 17 guys uh, considered for the for the forwards that they will take to the tournament. Uh, 
I wonder if the plan will be because, of course, Team Canada is jacked at center like they always are. Um, I wonder if the plan is to do what they did with him at Worlds, which was uh, to to move him to a line where he can be interchangeable at center with whoever he tend, whoever he happens to play with. You know, whether that be a Krebs or a Cousins, someone else maybe. But have him so that he can play both center and wing. And maybe that's where he gets, that's where he makes the team is probably at wing and not at center. And that's, it's certainly something worth considering because we saw at BC the first couple of weeks, they were trying to work him in at wing. And the second they moved him to center, it was like, bam, he was, yeah, he just started doing his thing. So if there isn't room at center, boy, it's hard to be confident about him making the team for sure. Well, then, then depending on where they, you know, where they feel, how they feel about some of these other guys uh, around him, you know, like, what are you going to do with Quentin Byfield? If, if he's, you know, if he's not one of your centers, what do you do with him? Uh, yeah, it, it does get tough. I, these team selections are always extremely interesting too, right? Because team Canada often seeks out specific types of players as well. And it, it's pretty clear that historically new hook doesn't really fit that mold. Right. I think they, they picked a new hook, uh, he has a little bit of team Canada experience. Uh, so that's, that's nice. And he's been really, really good recently. So, okay. Hey, you know, babe, we said all these same things when Timmons was invited to the team too. Right. that's true. And he, and he ended up playing on the top pairing with them and helped them score the tournament winning goal. So, you know, I don't expect new hook to have uh, quite the, the, the same path, but, He's an explosive enough talent that it's a conversation. Fair enough. Flipping to the other side of Av's prospects, we go over to Finland, where I'm much more confident that I expect both of these players to make the team. Starting Mm. with Sampo Ranta, he's been solid at the University of Minnesota, putting up good numbers. Mm -hmm. He has as many goals as he did in his freshman year already this season with 10 points in 16 games and six goals. He was essentially the last cut from this team last year. So you have to think he's basically a shoe in at this point. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, sitting around knowing he, he watched that team last year up close. Um, that's gotta, that's gotta drive him quite a bit. You would think so. Yeah. Watching Kako score the game winner while he's sitting at home. Yeah. But that, uh, that that one had to be that had to sting for him a little bit, but uh, he's had the kind of sophomore season that we were hoping for. Um, a solid, not spectacular, you know. Not all of a sudden talking about him as a, you know, a, a top yeah. ten prospect or anything. This is the realistic Sampo Ranta path of oh, it was three years all along yeah. for this guy. This has been the nice next step. Now it's time to get him to his junior year and do the next thing. Right, and you know they could they could depending on how well he finishes and certainly what he shows at this tournament could put him on the path towards uh, going pro after two years. Uh, I think a, a strong WJC showing really goes a long way with uh, with every organization. Certainly. That that could be the next step for him. It could be a year in the AHL or whatever. Right. Because if he shows really well WJ season has a strong finish to his college season, 
then you're asking yourself, what's better for him? Is it an AHL year with the right away, or is it another year at Minnesota and then he maybe, hopefully, potentially, possibly makes the leap? Or to be honest with you, you know, we're we're gonna tackle this uh this week. If he has a really good showing, does he turn into somebody that other organizations start to value in terms of trade conversations. It's always something to consider, right? I I know it's coming from a weird place because the abs haven't had that excess in years and years and years. Yeah. But they might now. Right. I mean, if you're, if you're talking about Colorado's prospect forward depth and you, all right, well, you know, there's a new hook and, and Bowers and Cowd are your first round picks you know, uh, we don't really know what Cam Morrison is. You know, he's a nice college player, but who knows beyond that, you know, and you get into forward prospects. You know, Nick Henry's had a nice start to his pro career. Um, you know, we've seen Logan O'Connor, some of these other guys that have recently shown up uh, with the Avs. And then there's Rambo Santa coming to coming to kick down your Christmas tree. Just kind of floating, floating behind in his in his sleigh, waiting to strike. Always, always one of the more intriguing guys because we always said, "Look, the talent is the the talent has always been there. It's just could he put it together?" And so far, you're feeling pretty good about it. Honestly, you have to be feeling pretty good. the The combination of size, skill, and skating is is working very nicely at Minnesota right now, and. <sighs> It's weird to be excited about a mid-round pick. It is. It's definitely a bit strange. It's always been about consistency for him, and he's shown enough of that so far this year. Definitely. Um, when I actually went to cover the abs in Minnesota a couple weeks ago, they had Minnesota against Penn State up on one of the TVs and really enjoyed watching that because Sampo Ranta played really well that day. And Dennis Smirnov scored a goal, so that was fun. Yeah, Dennis Smirnov exists. That's a thing. He's a guy. <laughs> He's a great translator. Um, yeah, exactly. That's the whole reason the Avs drafted him. That's my conspiracy theory. But uh, the other guy who has shown almost impossible consistency this year, Eustace Ananen in goal, has been invited for Sweden. I... He's played 13 games in the league of this year, and he's won all of them with... A one two six goals against and a nine four seven save percentage. Yes, he plays for the best team in the league, but you can't really do any better than that. Isn't that what you want out of a guy playing for the best team in the league? Shouldn't he have dominant numbers? Right, exactly. It, he's done exactly. He hasn't lost a game in thirteen games. He's thirteen wins, eleven in regulation, two in overtime. This is what more can you do? This reminds me of. Timmons is D plus one when where he just went insane well, and, yeah. and he was picking him and he's just rolling in points right every night here's an assist here's two assists here's another assist and there were people who were like no you guys you don't understand they're second assists and then and and then the horror music would start dun 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 and then it would be like jaws in the water you know circling like trying to take out the suckers. Well, it doesn't matter. 
if a guy finds his way to a whole bunch of secondary assists, something is happening that's that's right when he's on the ice a lot, right? Regard and, and hey, he's on a great team. He makes an easy outlet pass and they go down and they score. That keeps happening over and over and over. Well, he's making the right outlet pass. That's for damn that's for damn sure. Guy's a guy's a great goaltender, or guy's a goaltender on a great team, and he's going out there and his team is is outscoring the the opposition every single night. He's doing his job. Right? And the fact that he Absolutely. said the fact that he broke the, the the shutout streak, the fact that he's been dominant on a dominant team, that's part of the team's dominance is him. They are not something that you can separate. Part of the team's dominance, part of the reason they're the best team in the league is him. It's his performance. He's been awesome and he should be their starter. And I hope he doesn't give up a goal the entire tournament. That will be the curious thing for me. I mean, it's hard to say because Finland is going to be a bit of a powerhouse again this year. They won't have Kako, of course, but they will still have a lot of drafted pieces and, and things going on there. And they always seem to find a way to be one of the most competitive teams at these WJCs. Tell you, they either win it or they finish in sixth place. Yeah, right. But the answer for Annan in here is if he can continue to play like that with peers in front of him and not a full-fledged pro team, I don't even know what to say. Do you consider bringing him over at the end of this year, even as a goaltender? Yes. So I would absolutely do that and platoon him with Werner next year. That puts, I'm sorry, but that puts him on the fast track to being an Av. I, it's hard to argue with the numbers he's putting up. I mean, if he can do that for the rest of this year through the WJCs, if he comes over and just kills the AHL in the same way, this could really change the landscape of the Avs goalie situation. It could because they are, if you have Eustace Annanen that tears it up in this WJCs and tears it up in the, the, the Liga and they make a run and then he goes to world championships for Finland and they give him a, they give him a shot there too. And it's the big kid world championships, not the little kid one. And he, he tears it up there too. You have a top goaltending prospect on your hand. You have a you have a legitimate high-end top goaltender prospect in your organization. And I'm not saying it has to be something you obsess over, but when you go into the summer and have the contract extension conversation with Philip Grubauer, you keep it in mind. Hey, maybe let's do another three-year deal. Yeah, it's certainly exciting times. The... And that's, of course, if it goes well, which we won't even know what to do with our hands if the Avs have a legitimate top goaltending prospect on their hands. I I don't know what I will do. I will just I, – I don't even know what to do now. I'm, I'm sitting here in disbelief thinking about it. It's literally never happened in North America. <laughs> All right, well. We can go ahead and, and wrap up the second segment here. There were a couple of other players that have a chance to get in. Could be Zaravilov. We'll talk about that in a second. But first, 
these types of players, how you move up and down in the tax brackets is through the WJCs. So it's time to tell you guys about Symbio Tax and Administration. Symbio Tax and Administration provides its clients with honest and knowledgeable tax services from a licensed professional. You guys know we're all about taking care of our own, and George over at Symbio Tax is a proud DNVR subscriber and diehard Avs fan. So whether you have a small business, you're looking to rent out a room in your house, or if you just need to get your tax return filed, Go to a qualified professional to understand your tax needs. Someone like George. Don't end up at one of those retail tax chains. Call SymbioTax today for a free consultation at 720-366-4470 or visit them at SymbioTax.com. That's S-Y-M-B-I-O-Tax.com. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution. I may have ended that second period a little bit abruptly, but you know, that happens sometimes in hockey. Wanted to talk a little bit more about Zoravlyov. AJ, he's been extremely solid as a defenseman in the KHL, which take that with a grain of salt. Defenseman in the KHL, the defense is what it is in that league. It's a much more offensive player oriented league. We've seen issues with defensemen from that league in the past with the Avs. But Zaravilov, I think, has a great chance of making this WJC team, first and foremost, because he played for it last year. And of his age, at 19, to be doing what he's doing in the KHL is pretty unique. It's impressive. Uh, it's, It's the kind of thing that you really you get excited for but it's tempered knowing the history of russian defenders and kind of the play style that a lot of them have uh you know guy like zadorov is kind of a an oddity in terms of uh russian defensemen you know the the big bone crushing hits and and not you know a more of a markov type which is a little more traditional what you get out of them well, you get out of that country. So, uh, Zhravilov, it's it's been an impressive start to this year for him. And last year felt like a very like lost season. Like we don't even really know what he is. Uh, you know, the VHL super super defensive and low scoring, and having him in the KHL against that competition. One, it makes it really much easier uh, for the abs to, to scout him and to keep an eye on him. Uh, but two, the, that production, you know, it speaks it speaks for itself. It's it's not mind, mind-boggling. You're not like, oh, my God, this is incredible. But it's rock solid. Uh, a teenage defenseman putting up solid point production in the KHL. Only reason to be excited about him. I think that's the point that I want to stress is, yeah, look, it's seven points in 27 games. That's not blow you away type numbers. <laughs> you're not confusing this guy with like a Tyson Berry. Right. You know? You're not you're not getting like, oh, man, he's going to be an offensive dynamo. But this is a dude with some game. Right. When you look at this for under 20 defensemen in the KHL, he's second in the league. There's only one under 20 defenseman better than him and the two of them are miles ahead of everyone else the next guy has three points in 31 games so for his age group he is outperforming everyone else and that's again why you want to see this guy in the wjc against his peers on a level playing field 
can he step that play up even further? Boy, if he does, that's another guy that you say, all right, um, time to exercise that out clause and bring him over. You know, he's the real wild card. Colorado's defensive prospects, it's Byram, it's Timmons, it's a bit of a gap, it's Hellison, and then it's a bunch of question marks. We have no idea. And a strong WJCs from Zhiravilov puts him much closer to Drew Hellison. That's the next guy I want to talk about here. Mm -hmm. I think you and I will both agree that the reality is he's probably missing this WJC just because of the pool that the USA will have to pull from, Mm -hmm. not only from this year, but the year before Uh, defensemen. It's just too talented of a pool for someone like Hellison to make the cut, but he shouldn't be that far off. No, I, he should be in our top 10. Right. You're talking, you know, he might be their eighth defenseman if he squeaks onto the lineup or something like that. And he, uh, depending on what they want, right? Like if they're looking for that shutdown type of guy, if that's what they're after, he should be in serious, legitimate consideration. Yeah, I think that's fair. If they want more of like a defense, and we've seen this is how they've preferred it in previous years. They like a lot of the two-way guys, you know, the key Andre Miller types, for example. Um, and then they, and then they want like a dedicated offensive defenseman, but they don't historically are not as focused on bringing a shutdown defender. They're like, oh, we'll just this is why we have two-way guys. We'll have that guy shut him down, or we'll shut down by committee. They don't usually bring like a guy where they're like, okay, we know you're not going to score for us but you're going to go out and you're going to make this guy's life completely miserable. Uh, but if they want to do that, that's what Drew Hellison is. That's who he, that's who he is. And Hellison is one of the players that will be eligible again next year. Mm-hmm. And so there is time, right? That's where if he's close this year, you're thinking, okay, he should make it next year. And to be honest with you, like new hook has gotten, much better as BC has gone on. Yes, indeed. Uh, honestly, the whole BC team has just started clicking on all cylinders, basically. Which we expected to happen eventually. There was way too much talent for them not to figure it out. But Hellison, you know, we expected New Hook. Oh, he'll, he'll be the offensive guy, but he's really, really popped. And I've really liked what I've seen. Granted, it hasn't been a ton of it, but I've, I've liked what I've seen uh, out of, out of Drew Hellison, man, I'm honestly, I have been impressed with him. He's very solid. He has that consistency to his game, which is, that's I love the steadiness. Yeah. It's something that so many young prospects struggle to find. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because you'll watch three shifts of a guy and be like, Oh my gosh. And then he'll go a period and a half and you'll forget that he was out there. And with Hellison, it's just so repeatable. You know, it's, it's the guy that it's, he is, you know, the, the one trick in a MOBA where he plays one champion in the same lane and he goes the same route and does the same thing over and over and over and over and over. Cause he just really likes doing that one thing. That's kind of who Drew Hellison is, is the, it's not a multifaceted game. It's not a wide array of skills that are going to dazzle you. It's very simple. He goes out there, he skates really well, he makes basic decisions with the puck, 
and he just shuts you down. And if he absolutely has to, he will headbutt a fool. Shout out my support mains. He ain't out there getting kills, but he's helping the team. <laughs> That's shout out support mains. Great call. <laughs> Great call. Um, yeah, so that's kind of a look at who the Avs have that have potential to make this WJC team. There was a little bit of talk of Burzan earlier in the year, but he didn't make the camp, so not going to happen, almost certainly. Still, there are plenty of other prospects out there as well. This one guy in Russia has started doing real well, Kof Kof Kovalenko. <clears throat> if you want to find out more about that, later in the week I will have my prospect portfolio up. Shameless self-plug for you there. Pretty good there yeah, from doing, Kobe. Doing pretty all right. Doing okay. Kind of figured out that scoring was good. Yeah. Went, went from a, oh, this is a really good defensive player to oh, this is a really good defensive player who started scoring a bunch in the KHL. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, um, wow, this is a lot more fun. <laughs> <laughs> a lot more highlights to look at, certainly. That's right. Um, but yeah, a lot of good stuff to talk about in the prospects, so you can keep an eye out for that coming in the week if you are a member of GNVR. And if you're not, well, that's just one more reason to sign up, as well as a bunch of other awesome pieces. Evan just posted an awesome piece on Nikita Zadorov today. Highly recommend you check that out as well. There are some other things going on with the abs, though. Injury updates, most of them good, a few of them not so good. Let's start there. Colin Wilson requires what? surgery on the lower body out of nowhere and is Dude. going to be gone for the rest of the year, basically. When I hear had surgery out long term, I just think Kamenev. Yeah. Just, just, just scratches, scratches his name out of off the roster. Done. I such a waste. Um and that's Immediately regret saying that. Not, not, that sounds very like antagonistic. A shame because he finished really, really strong in the postseason last year. And I was hoping that in, an, in a consistent and more appropriate role where he got to be the adult next to Justin Comfer this year, that all three of those guys would, would lift each other up and they would all benefit from each other's presence. They all have very complementary skills. And I think that they could have done a really good job together. And I think it really sucks that we're at this point and that there are some people who have totally taken Colin Wilson for granted what he does well. Um, And the fact that even when he wasn't playing well, very, very, very rarely did that guy get lit up in shot metrics, which there's something to be said for that. And I think it really sucks uh, that they're in this situation with him. Yeah, that's... It's just unfortunate. Like you said, sucks, man. You have to deal with it. The Avs do have some functional things. Thankfully, like Nachushkin coming on strong that maybe can help replace that to some extent, but it's just tough. You know, I don't wish that type of injury on any player to, to miss the majority of a season. That's just brutal. Well, and, and now you legitimately wonder, about his NHL future because we we thought that this was a plug and play thing for Colorado this year. Uh, they it was easy to expect them to move on next season, right? You're saying but, okay, he'll play the year here, and we'll be looking for a three year deal or something somewhere next year. And now it's 
boy, is anyone going to take that chance? Right. And you have to wonder if that guy is, I mean, that's a right off the top of my head. I would say that if he doesn't play again, if he comes back later in the year and he's able to show well in a playoff run or in the playoffs or something, then different conversation. But if he doesn't play again, this is immediately a PTO candidate. And that sucks for him because when he's gotten to play, he has been solid for the avalanche. Not, not great. Nothing like not a special player. I'm not like every, every time I refuse to criticize a guy or say he's bad or sucks or something, there's always that one guy who's like, Oh, AJ loves Colin Wilson. Like not the case, just a solid guy. And like, a solid guy that you knew could give you 25 to 30 points and would be reliable for you and, and would be very, again, a repeatable skill set. Perfectly functional in that third line ish role as a bottom six guy that doesn't, doesn't hurt you and occasionally helps you more than occasionally like a 25 to 30 point guy. That's, you know, helps you just, you know, 40% 40% of the season on the scoreboard and a guy that can, and a guy that can outplay guys in similar roles on other teams who just aren't quite as good. So a real bummer. It is. And that's the tough news. Thankfully we can follow it up with some good news. First being just to re, 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 reconfirm Rantanen is still perfectly expected to play come the abs next game here. So No worries there, despite him sitting out for the third and then taking a maintenance day for practice. Mm -hmm. Moving on with that, Matt Calvert has now been practicing in a full practice jersey. He's expected to join the team. There's a chance that Landeskog may join the team soon. There's a chance that Burakovsky may join the team on this road trip. The only guy that doesn't have a chance to do that, it seems like, is EJ. Him getting downgraded week to week. Um, first of all, great opportunity for Callie Rosen. Sure is. Um, and if it's not going to be for Callie Rosen, then it'll be a great opportunity for Connor Timmons, who then they, they should then call up if it doesn't work out with Rosen. Um, but that's disappointing. But the, the rest of that with all the forwards, aces. Yeah, it's... Um, the Chicago game sums it up, right? They get A1 Miko Rantanen back, and Chicago just can't hang at all with their top talent. And that's only going to continue to get better. Mm-hmm. Granted, Chicago, you know, one of the worst teams in the league right now. So when you add the Burakovskis, when you add the Landeskogs, there's a very real possibility that they start doing that to good teams, to fringe playoff teams, those types. And that's, I mean, it's it's still hard to wrap my head around because it's been so long since I've like had the thought of, okay, the abs are actually this good and it not just been like a fantasy. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and I mentioned this the other day, which a bunch of Chicago fans took super personally, uh, striking. It was shocking to me, honestly, the contrast in the talent between the two teams wildly wildly different outside of pretty much Patrick Kane the high-end talent just wasn't there and they have great talent they have guys like Debrin Cat, like I've mentioned but 
as you went down the roster, there was just a clear cut difference. The problem is, is that everybody has that kind of talent, right? Everybody has like a couple of guys at the top of their roster. You know, there's it, it's, you know, Patrick Kane is obviously great and a point per game player and a phenomenal player, but even Debrincat, you know, 19 points in 26 games, Dylan Strom, 17 points in 23 games, you know, Brandon sod, 26 points in 26 games. That's, that's the stuff that the abs were having for years. They had guys like that, where these guys are all, they're, they're all solid and they're all on like a nice, solid, respectable, you know, 55, 65 point pace, something like that. You know, Jonathan Taves, though, making $10 million, 14 points in 26 games. Last year, very clearly an anomaly in his career. And he remains one of the most overrated players of all time because of it. It, it is a good comparison that you make with what the Avs used to be because it's very good, but it's not elite. Right, like, it's, it's solid. But... Where are you in comparison to your competition? Because right. if you just look at it in a vacuum, they're they're good. Like they've got some good players. But you look on the other side of it, they're playing St. Louis tonight. You know who else pretty good? St. Louis isn't too bad either. You know, they get they get production up and down their lineup, but at the top of it, you know, Ryan O'Reilly, Braden Shen. I don't know what's going on with David Perron this year, but that's been crazy. Uh Jaden Schwartz, you know also solid and if your forward core is going to be the what carries you it can't just be solid it's got to be spectacular right chicago has one truly elite player right that's it abs have mckinnon rantanen as elite guys as elite guys landeskog offensively is one of those very good guys with the defensive side Landis Coggin, Kadri in the next in the next kind of tier down. And and then you, you know, talk about Kale McCarr as an offensive defenseman in that category as well. For sure. And and then from there you very solid and there's a whole bunch of guys that you get into. Right. I just I mean, it's just a different it's a different feel. You know, Chicago sucks, man. Like they're they're awful. And their defense is awful, and they've paid a lot of money to to make this defense and keep this defense. And who knew, a year after going absolutely banana pants, that Eric Gustafson is right back to just being what he was. He's an okay offensive defenseman who can't play defense. And they took the gamble on him being the future of that defense and a lot of the moves they made, and now they've made their bed and they have to lie in it. Yeah, and you know what? Right now, uh, the the they're like lying like face down in that bed where they've kicked all the sheets off, and like me, they have turned themselves upside yeah, down. Yeah, they, they turn themselves upside down for sure. Everything's going the wrong way right now yep. for sure. It's, I'd say it's hard to watch, but you know what? That team won three cups this decade, so it's yeah, not. right. Like this is the price you pay. If I if I if 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 you would have if you would tell me that in the next ten years the Avs would win three Stanley Cups, really the next six years the Avs would win three Stanley Cups, but they would have to go through exactly what Chicago is right now. Sold. Yeah, take that a hundred times out of a hundred. Sold so hard. The point isn't to compete for Stanley Cups a bunch; it's to win them. 
and to win three of them in a generation, it's a modern day, it's as close to a modern day dynasty as we're allowed to get in, in the NHL. It was awesome. They were awesome. They they got it done in their primes, and now it's like, well, now you're paying the price for it. And that's fine. Like, worth worth it. Totally worth it. Also, I'm so glad to be on this side of it, though, to, to be through that era. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it comes in waves, right? But when Just you're riding the wave, it's way better. Oh, absolutely. But watching all those all those Chicago fans just get beat down and wildly celebrate when they made it seven to three with like it was like a very sarcastic, wild celebration in that arena. It was kind of sad. It, the Avs have been there, man. They uh, they showed. In the terrible year, the Avs weren't afraid to say, we want 10 when the other team was going for the 10. All right, AJ, final thoughts on the Avs right now, the situation, be it prospects, injuries around the league, whatever you got. You know what we haven't talked uh, enough about in the across the league this year? Hit me. The New York Islanders. Oh boy, here we go. And you know what's incredible to me is that they went on a 16 game point streak 16 game point streak they sure did it happened and we didn't talk anything about it at all and by we i mean like the nhl writ large it was just sort of like every single night it was like oh the islanders won again oh well the islanders won again the islanders unbelievable start to the season Seven points back in their division. Because Washington exists. Because the NHL is the cruelest place on earth. It's so cruel. To be fair, they have four games in hand on Washington. Right, but that's four, you know, that's eight imaginary points. Washington has seven real points ahead of them. It's so crazy to me. And just the fact that we didn't, we, and again, the we being the league as a whole, just didn't talk about it. I feel like it's almost a little bit of Barry Trot syndrome where you tune into the Islanders every night and you're like, oh yeah, right. They have Trots, so they just win now. That's fine. right. It's like, oh, Barry Trotz is coaching. Well, all right. I guess they're probably going to win two to one tonight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it just works. Like we've talked a lot about like uh, St. Louis and the overtime games and all that nonsense. And and now all of a sudden St. Louis is actually good. So that's unfortunate. Uh, But the whole with the Islanders, a 16 game point streak to start to, to start their season and they're seven back. That's so messed up. <laughs> the contrast is is crazy too cuz you look at the Islanders scored 71 goals, given up 58. They are the lowest scoring team against in the league by a huge margin. Like it's not close with anyone uh, else. I think the next closest is Dallas. It's Arizona. Okay, so 67. So yeah. <laughs> almost a full 10 goal difference there. Right. Whereas if you look at you look at the highest scoring team uh, in the NHL, it's Washington with 104. Yeah, but there are, you know, Boston has 99, Colorado has 97. So you know there are teams who have scored some goals this year. Florida and Toronto each in the 90s. Of course, those teams have also given up 90. So 
if you're saying defense wins championships, put it all on the Islanders right now. I mean, honestly, you look at the goal differential and you look at which teams are the best balance of high scoring and goal suppression. You're talking, I mean, obviously Washington and Boston uh, have been great. Boston really has been great. Uh, but Colorado's up there as well. Although, as a few people pointed out in my mentions, that uh, plus 22 goal differential, you know, when you have blowout wins over Chicago and, and Nashville at home, you know, you can build up a pretty lofty plus goal differential. 12 of that 22, it comes in yeah. about three games. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, but. You know, it's it's because, you know, if you're going to the Islanders are only at plus 13 because they have a really low scoring offense. That's because they play a really slow paced game. That's the kind of game you're getting when you go against them. It's it's slow. You got to grind it out. I'm looking for the teams that are putting up the goals, but also suppressing them at a respectable level. So, you know, the Florida and Toronto where they've each got 90 plus, but they've given up 90 plus. It's not what I'm after. It's, you know, where Colorado and Carolina and Pittsburgh are, where, you know, 90-plus goals, although Carolina's at 88, and then in the 70s for goals given up. Right in in that that upper half of goal suppression, but scoring a lot more often. You know, St. Louis, 86 goals for, 75 against. Um, I, I think that that's indicative of a very, very good hockey team. And I've got to stop. I'm just going to stop hating on St. Louis because they, they just get it done. They go in and they just do the same thing every single night and maybe better than anyone in the NHL. They force teams to play the way they want to play. They, they just wear teams down and do the exact same thing. Every single shift, all four lines. There's no variance. There's no really high skill. It's just, consistently good. Yeah. And it's, and it's, they're committed to it and they're totally bought in. And that's what makes them so lethal is that he just, that they just, the, the blues just do it every day. They live. The blues are Shia LaBeouf. Right. They live their identity every single day and that is it's so hard to do and it's so hard to get a team to do that and i think after their frustrations with previous head coaches that kind of wore them down they just got the right guy at the right time to send them the right message and say look just point us in a direction we'll go that direction and if it works out really well we'll just keep doing it and they've done it at a very high level and they're very good All right. Well, there you go. A little bit of around the league talk from AJ to wrap up the Monday show here. We got a bunch of awesome stuff planned over the next couple of weeks, by the way. If you haven't seen already, it started off today as we're working on some of the all decade stuff for not just the abs, but every major sports team in Colorado. Highly recommend you check that stuff out. There will be plenty of abs content coming down that pipeline as well throughout the month of December. So just keep an eye out for it. Be sure to check it out as we think it's really awesome. So with that, if you can't get out to Breckenridge Brewery and you still want to try their beer, 
that is why TotalBev.com exists, and they're hooking up the DNVR fam with 30, that's right, 30% off of purchases between $25 and $75 when you use code DNVR2019 online or on the Total Beverage app, which you can download today. As you probably know by now, Total Beverage delivers to most of the metro area from Lakewood to Boulder and Aurora to Brighton, and they have the lowest prices in the state. Plus, you know what? If you're not looking for beer, you want some CBD products, they have that as well. You can get that on your next visit to Total Beverage. Don't let this offer pass you by. Order today and receive 30% off your purchase of $25 to $75. And better yet, you can get it delivered to your front door. Cheers. That's going to do it for us. Thank you, as always, for listening. And we will be back, as always, tomorrow.